Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 93 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on July 21st, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the man who it has, set, has been said to have the voice of the flower and is the antithesis to everything technology, Justin Sane 0516. Have you gotten a chance to dive into the stuff that you already played, Justin? Uh, actually, there's a little bit more here than I played, so that was nice. And yes, I finally got to play Sentinel Titan today, right before the show, so that was that was really cool. All I got to play at the uh, reveal was Dawn Blade. Um which was fun, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was fun. So did you, uh, did you get to jump into crucible at all? Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, the sunshot is my Amazing. new best friend. Yes. Yes. I love the giant explosion for, for hitting someone in the stomach. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, be sure to let Mel know we miss her over on Twitter at the Wind of the Stars. Life has proven to be pretty hectic for her lately, and we want to show her some support as she's getting everything sorted out. And then also from the depths of the madness-inducing mind maps, we are joined by our favorite Gunter, the one and only Green-Eyed Music Lover. Green, hope you're doing well. How's the uh, beta treated you so far? It's good. I've probably driven away six or seven people while playing the 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 strike because i can't get over the atheon door and everything that's <laughs> over there i just go stand over there and not move forward so everybody else does the rest of the strike while i'm just like trying to break into that building so yeah it's been good it's been good it's been, I, it's been good i haven't broken I've the made, game yet but i've not, made people mad I, haven't we we haven't glitched in yet but pens and i are going to do it we're going to make it happen yeah they're they're dedicated they're dedicated (laughs) in the guest co-host spotlight tonight we are joined by the amazing lead archivist from our good friends over at ishtar collective purple chimera purple how are you doing tonight (laughs) i'm doing well how are you guys I think I, I think I built it up right. Like that, that was that was a good intro. I don't know was I supposed to add Fantabulous. anything else. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I mean good. they won't give me a lab coat, so that's all. <laughs> I'm really I'm really sad about that. But insiders only. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know they're amazing lab coats. But all right, well let's jump through the intro real quick, and then we're gonna start in a conversation about the blade dancers. The topic of today's chat is going to be an in-depth look at the lore of the Blade Dancer. I asked Green to put together a high-level summary of the topic, and this is what she had to say. These blades, they're an extension of your arm, your reflexes, your light. Blade Dancers may lack the striker's strength. But even a striker must admit, the blade dancers move at a velocity strikers could only hope to match. You want to know fear? Face down a blade dancer, all sharp edges and crackling death. Then you'll know fear. You'll see the arc before you see the blade dancer, and by then it'll be too late. If blade dancers seem a little unfair... It's because there's no honor 
and how the Blade Dancer's arc seeks out targets. There's no room for honor in a fight. In the eyes of a Blade Dancer, this beautiful lethality and relentless style of destruction is something they revel in. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the Cabal Empire. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out the new www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internet, and a growing collection of community articles. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well as helping us to continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny-focused podcast, Paragon Radio. Our next chat will be a closer look at the lore of the Defender Titans. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the information and thoughts that the community had about Blade Dancers. Lorebot, let's go! Query. Grimoire. Database. Results found. Displaying on screen. Thank you, Randy. Um, so I think when, when you're going to talk about Blade Dancers, it's time to just start at the beginning, as our good friend Bife would say. Um, let's talk about Arc Light. Arc. A spark can give life or take it. The universe is defined by fundamental forces. Complex matter is bound together by deep forces, and in the study of this binding lies the secret of arc light. So the thing that I, I love about this, and I know that we've had this conversation with all the other arc type classes, is the fact that arc, the arc classes is based off of the actual physical force that we have in our world. Mm-hmm. It's based off of either strong force or like the electrical bond. So you think back to like eighth grade science or maybe freshman year physical science when they talk about the anatomy of an atom. The thing that holds it all together is the strong force. And it is literally just electrical force that holds it together. So what holds us together is electricity. And the fact that we're able to manipulate that to the point of being able to send out sparks and knives and shoot people. And I mean, it's just interesting that we can manipulate it in such a way that it, it makes sense that it would be a tight knit type thing, especially with the blade dancer. What do you think, Justin? Uh, no, I, one of the things I love, I love about the statement is that scientifically, like you take light off of the end of it 
and it's a completely valid scientific statement. Um, like literally that statement actually kind of, uh, describes the way atoms and molecules are all bound together. They're all by, um, by opposite charges being attracted to one another. Um, and the, what I think about when I read about this is ionic bonds and, and ions, positive ions and negative ions being attracted to one another. Um, and you know, we we can go on all night long about my theory of light, but uh, I mean, this kind of really heavily ties in. We may be getting to that later. That's true. Blue? Um, I just, I have a uh, quote actually specifically about the Blade Dancers from one of the bounties uh, from Lord Shax actually that kind of ties in. I mean, obviously the Blade Dancers tied into the arc light. Um, I don't think anyone... I think that's a pretty obvious connection there. Um, but Shax actually goes ahead and says, the Blade Dancer's interpretation of arc light is a reflection of the hunter herself, seeking targets to sink light or a knife into, um, which actually is another segue that I wanted to talk about because we, we've talked about hunters before uh, and the the hunters are, and well, and we kind of, we, we like Green, you've said, we kind of mentioned this with the other subclasses as well. But, each subclass or each class, the Hunter, Titan, and Warlock, is obviously a play off the psychological paradigm, I guess, of the individual guardian. And the thing about Hunters is that, well, let me just read this. Hunters were once survivors that roamed the wastelands and wilderness, making their own luck. Through manipulation of the traveler's energies, Hunters learned how to survive the wild. This heritage has led to their characteristic tendency of bending the rules to suit their particular situation. Being the trailblazers among the Guardian classes, hunters serve as invaluable scouts when surveying hostile and dangerous territory, combining their trademark daring and ingenuity. While many fear them as being too reckless and dangerous, the hunters' bravery has led to many discoveries dating back to the Golden Age. And if you go back to the Grimoire for hunters, the quote that I this one of my favorite quotes is, uh, is our old worlds have grown feral, rabid beasts with teeth of rust and ruin, but such beasts are meant to be tamed or broken. So, and then, and then obviously, you know, driving down into the actual blade dancer, you see that, and I think we'll, we'll talk about the hunter here in a second green, but um, the blade dancer as well before, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep getting more and more granular <laughs> as, as we go, as we talk through the grimoire here. But, you know, the Blade Dancer's key thing is beautiful, lethality, relentless style. And, you know, we, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that. But in regards to Arc Light, the manifestation of the Arc Light is a manifestation of their view of how to interact with that energy. Just the same as a Striker Titan has their view of it, and a Stormcaller has the Tickle Fingers, right? You know, they they each have a different approach to how to manifest that light. And so when Shax is saying that the Blade Dancer's interpretation of arc light is a reflection of the hunter herself, then go back and remember, and Green, I'm going to hand it back to you here in just a second because you're, you're going to read the hunter card for us. Mm-hmm. But go back and remember that the hunters were the ones that were the individuals. You know, the hunters were the ones that were the, the solo um, scouts for the most part they don't they don't really depend on others which is it also goes to show why the blade dancer is not a super supportive class i think um the blade dancer is really meant 
from a super perspective to clear out low level ads. Like it's supposed to be crowd control. And that to me kind of does make sense within the lore of what a hunter was or well, what a hunter is and their view of the world as well. So green, I'm going to, I'm actually going to give it back to you to, to read that, that card. Uh, well, purple, do you have anything to say about oh, arc in you. general before we get into hunter? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm not, I don't, I don't feel bad anymore. Okay. Just wanted to give you a shot. All right. So the hunter card, the flavor text says, our old worlds have grown feral, rabid beasts with teeth of rust and ruin, but such beasts are meant to be tamed or broken. And then the card itself says, hunters stalk the wilderness beyond the city, harnessing the light to reclaim the secrets of our lost worlds. They are daring scouts and stealthy killers, expert with knives and precision weapons. Hunters blaze their own trails and write their own laws. And I mean, kind of like you were saying, Blue, this the hunter itself is just that rogue solo character that goes out and retrieves people. They're they're just as good at being on their own as they are being in a group. They probably prefer being on their own, but they're also kind of a wild type character, a wild card type mm-hmm. character, especially a lot of the new flavor text. I know we're not technically into D2 yet. I think we can but... talk about it. I mean, I'm not going to turn down a chance to talk about the Jabberwocky, so. Oh, gosh, yeah. So the flavor text in the armor piece, the armor set, which is, do you remember the name of the armor set? I don't have my book out. I Honestly, I don't. I, I just remember that it is, is it fr- from us? No. Out no, Frumius. Frumius. Uh huh. So Frumius, uh, the Frumius set for the Hunter has quotes from uh, Lewis Carroll, who wrote the Jabberwocky, right? Yes. I'm well, yeah. So, so like, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Um, right. But oh, just real quick before you go mm-hmm. on, Frumius is actually a word that he also invented. Mm-hmm. So the Frumius Bandersnatch is, um, I think, is the poem i think oh through the looking glass is the poem but the the bandersnatch is the uh, frumious bandersnatch and i think it was a combination of the word furious and i can't i can't i I have it written down i'll be right back i'm gonna grab it real quick fuming fuming and furious and uh, it was coined by Lewis Carroll, who said it was a blend of fuming and furious, and it was used in both Jabberwocky and the hunting of the snark. So that that's actually it's a it's a giant nod to. Um, sorry, hang on, I'm waiting for her to get back. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. Nope, that's fine. Had I was just I was before. I real I found I found it right as you uh, right as you took off, um, but. Uh, so yeah, I was just saying, um, Frumius is a combination of fuming and furious, and it actually is. A, I mean that that entire armor set is a giant nod to the Jabberwocky and Lewis Carroll in general. And it was first used in Jabberwocky, and also in the Hunting of the Snark. Right. Those were the two instances that he actually used it. Um, just a rundown of the flavor text from top to bottom, if you don't mind me. Just given yeah, no, go for it, go for it, go for it. Uh, the mask, you put the snicker in the snicker snack. <laughs> the grips, 
it makes perfect sense to you. And that's all that matters. Vest, when have you, let's see if I can read my own writing. When have you ever known hunters to do as they were told? In the strides, it says mostly the hero, but with a healthy dash of the monster too. That's what it means to be a hunter. And the cloak, which is my favorite, is literally just a quote that says, beware with exclamation points. So <laughs> it's it kind of has a little bit of a nice, silly flavor, but at the same time brings in the wildness of what a hunter is. Well, that that's also, I mean, if you if you read the poem about like the Bandersnatch and the Jabberwocky, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's it's um, it's so ridiculous that it's terrifying. And yes, yeah. and and Bell is mentioning this Snickersnack is the sound of the Vorpal sword. So I want a Vorpal sword now. So do you know what's funny is Lewis Carroll actually wrote the whole Alice in Wonderland thing because there were no children's stories that he liked for his daughter. Yeah. I think yeah. he, ha- I think he hated his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is freaking terrifying. It's what happens when you enjoy adult substances that should not always be consumed by adults. Yeah. Absinthe. Um, so let's uh... acid trip. Um... <laughs> what Dumbo? I didn't. What? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty yeah. Much. Or no, that was that was was that else? Was it LSD? Was that acid yeah. or was that LSD? I can't I don't remember, remember in Dumbo. Which one they had. But... I didn't say acid. By the way, I said absinthe. I know. I know you did. No, no, I, I know you did. Green okay. said acid. Oh, she she took it there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, anyways. Yes, that that was actually one of my one of the things that I did kind of giggle at in from Destiny Two. Um, the other the other thing was the ship that we got confirmation that you know kind of blew a hole in the theory on a lot of the Lords of Iron, but that's for another episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got that ship. I'm really excited. I know. I got so excited when I saw that ship. I was like, "It's a lore ship," and everyone's like, "What?" And just just. <laughs> Just roll with it. Just I was giving Just people be excited gr- with me. Yeah, I was giving people grief on Twitter because they kept posting pictures of items, but then they would cover the uh, they'd cover the flavor text. I'm like, what are you doing? You're covering the most important part. Yeah. Right. When I was on with my friends, when we when we first logged on, we were like, I got so excited about the ship that everybody after that, every item that they got, they would read the flavor text out loud. <laughs> Is this like, is yay! this important? <laughs> no, no, only my ship is important. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Love it, but oh, goodness. So, so to go, so to pull have... back to Hunter, yeah, real quick. Uh-huh. To um, uh-huh. well, I was going to say, pull back into Hunter. Um, again, this is kind of the whole thing of remember that the Hunter is again a a psychological paradigm of a particular guardian so you have the three the three different aspects and the hunter is one of them and so now we kind of i think we should kind of look do you guys have anything left on hunter green i know you might have did you have anything uh not on this one since okay. it's kind of a super broad mm-hmm. okay do you want uh purple you want to grab the blade dancer card real quick sure so blade dancer Beautiful lethality, relentless style. There's something to be said for the blade. A knife won't jam. 
a knife won't run dry. A knife is very, very quiet. Leave the noise and fire to others. There's work to be done out there in the dark. Monsters that deserve death delivered quickly, silently, and without mercy. I love this card. Wow, she's better at this than me. Yeah, I can't can't stand playing Blade Dancer, but... I love the 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 story behind Blade Dancers. I think are, is just really cool. Um, I just feel like I'm a wear out my my bumpers when I play Blade Dancer, but that's just me. right. Well, I mean that's kind of the that's my problem too. Plus, it requires me to get way too close to people. I'm I'm a ranged. I'm, I'm like I'll be sitting in the back. I'm 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 the one that sits in the back, like with the gun the gunslinger. Um, <laughs> if I have to if I have to reach out and touch someone. Mm-mm. That's a bad thing. But the other the other thing here is this is where you get a lot of people kind of pointing to the the recent, you know, Lords of Iron card with um Gellion, right? Because of his obsession with the knives and everything like that. And again, it's it's a pointing back to the hunter and their kind of their obsession with the knife and you know the the and this kind of actually points to why they are obsessed with the knife is because, you know, like Purple was just saying, a knife won't jam, a knife won't run dry, and it's very, very quiet. I mean, think about their names, hunters. They're focused on being, you know, quick, silent. They're scouts. They need something that's dependable, that doesn't need to be maintenanced, you know, every other day, and that's really a knife. That's also the same thing that you can say about their cloaks, is that it's something that is multi-personable, or multi-person. Can't talk right now multi-purposed is you know the cloak can be a blanket it can be a tent it can be you know whatever they need it to be same with a knife it can be a right Mm -hmm. right camouflage a knife can be the same thing a knife is just as much a tool as it is a weapon you know and you know if you look at the hunt the traditional the, the standard hunter knife it actually is a it's well it's more of a giant buoy knife which you know justin you can kind of weigh in on this one too the Bowie knife was actually meant to be a weapon as much as it, or uh, meant to be a tool as much as it was actually a good weapon. Like mm-hmm. when you talk about hunting knives, that's what they are. They're, they're not actually, they look scary, but they're actually meant they're, they're designed to be used as a tool. And yes, they just happen to be really decent weapons, but that's not their primary function. You know? Yeah. When, go for it. Go for it. Justin. <clears throat> Oh no! I was gonna say we made this whole this whole deal when we did the uh, the last hunters episode, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that that knife is not a it's not a weapon first. It's a tool first. Uh, a weapon wouldn't have a giant gut hook on the back of it because right. that does not lend itself to quick stabbing and and you know things like that. Like um, if you stuck that in somebody, removing it would be problematic, and that's not good because you need to pull it out and put it in again. You know, especially if it's a large thing you're trying to kill. So that's much more a tool in the wild for for skinning, cleaning, and dressing, as opposed to a a weapon design element. And I stand by that. I don't say much definitively, but I say that <laughs> I, I know knives. Um, well, and the other the other thing is, and I know I've seen this a lot. Like uh, for instance, the Destiny Two pre orders at GameStop. Right, everyone got. Or, well, everyone who got one got the little um, 
Cade. The Cade, right? I, I saw a ton of people when they first got him. They're all like, this isn't a hunter knife. This is more of a, you know, a whatever, a little short sword or whatever. But if you actually look at the hunter armor, you'll notice that every single set of armor really does have a different type of knife on it. There, there, there is not a quote unquote, there is the, the standard, you know, the knife that everyone thinks of, which is actually more of the throwing knives that the gunslinger has. Uh, if you ever watch the throwing knives, those are actually very, those, that's the one that everyone kind of s- connects with the hunter, but every single hunter really kind of had their own style of knife. Um, and so Kate always had the little, I don't even know what you would call it. It's almost like a machete type thing. Yeah. And if you actually look at a Blade Dancer Super, and I, I remember going through and like trying to find a picture of the Blade Dancer's arc blade, the, the arc blade is actually more of a small sword. It's it's almost more of a... a mm, it's, there's, oh God, what are those called? I know, I'm trying to remember, I, I can't remember, it's, it's a... It's not a. It's, it's not, not a kukri, a, is it? Well, it's it's like oh. a flattened kukri. Um, it's got it's got the same curvature as a kukri, but it's not um, boomerang. Like the the blade aspect has the 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 wave, but the back of the blade is not oh, bent. You're thinking you're thinking of a bolo. Is that what is it? The bolo is that what I'm thinking? Yeah, it's it's got the it's got an elongated back out towards the tip. Yes, kind of, bolo. Yep, that's right. It swells. Right, right. It swells towards the tip and comes out to a point that's in, yeah, in alignment also, with the tang. Yeah, right, right. And it's also the nice. same as the kukri, the kukri machete. <laughs> the kukri machete Good is call. the one that I'm looking at too. Uh huh. Just simply because I freaking love kukris. They're hey, you need to you need to watch Forged in Fire, folks. You'll learn. Oh all yeah, this stuff. no, I yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um. But so yeah, and so like that was the the other thing is like if you look at the Blade Dancer's arc blade, um, it's actually not the standard, you know, assumed hunter blade. It it is more of a, a machete. Yeah, much more like a bolo, like we were talking about. Right, they're right. they're really they're really swollen out towards the. It's it's there's a it's lot meant, of belly to that. Knife. Right, it's meant for swinging, is what it is. I mean, it's yeah. a mach- it, I mean, if and to kind of delve into that, Justin, correct me here if I misspeak. But machetes are meant, again, again, a blade that is not actually meant to be a weapon. It's meant to be a tool. Um, a machete is meant to be clearing out uh, brush and clearing, you know, basically different types of usually stronger brush. Um, and so why yeah. the way the reason why the blade is shaped the way it is is so that at the end of the swing, so when you're swinging, it will swing harder and faster without expending so much energy because with a machete the environment in which a machete is often seen is often a very humid and very very draining environment and you don't want to spend a lot of energy swinging a blade around so what they did was they put all the weight at the end of the knife or end of the blade and that way you you don't have to expend as much strength to get the get a swing that has a lot of power behind it and yes, uh, Guardian is in chat right now. Machetes are often used to... I mean, they're used for everything. There's there's all, mm-hmm. there's. I don't think there's... I'm trying to think of a culture that doesn't have a form of a machete. And it's just because it's a very... It's probably yeah. a desert culture. <laughs> well, but I mean, yeah. I, well, I like, know because even they would have it for, you know, cutting open plants. Because physics, yeah, because you're right. physics. I, I mean, I, well, I mean, but that's what I mean. It's like it's like a really 
basic design of a blade. Like if you have, if you need a big blade that you can hurt. Oh, because physics. Um, I just saw that in chat. Sorry. I was like, I, I guess that works purple, I guess because physics, but okay. But I mean, like, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, put the weight at the end, you know, like a hammer. It's a hammer with an edge is what I, is a machete. Well, yeah. It would make it a lot easier to open up said coconuts or anything yeah. else or, or about wood because, because physics. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Totally makes sense. So I posted a link in chat. If you're in live chat right now of the, what did you call it, Justin? The bol- bolu? Bol- yeah. Bolo. 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 Yeah. So there's a. There's if one. I'm not, I, I kind of forget. I think it's an Indonesian thing or if, uh I th- always think of the Philippines when I think of a bolo, but I could. Be it is. It's wrong. Filipino. The bolo is Filipino. Okay. I think the yeah. kukri is not. No, the kukri is Middle Eastern for sure. Mm-hmm. The pen said something about Gurkha. It's, like, it's a yeah, yeah the, the Gurkha. Uh, yeah, that's right. Gurkha that's right. is a yeah. type of kukri. But yeah. yeah. Oh. Nepal. <laughs> oh, um, Nepalese. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you look at uh, the. If you just search for Kukri, it's K-U-K-R-I machete, you'll see that looks very similar also to the arc blade that you see when you when you pull out your super with a blade dancer. <clears throat> and if you want to compare it to the arc blade, you can go to ishtar-collective.net. And oh, my arc gosh. Blade card. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Which has a picture of a hunter in arc blade, and you can look at the blade and compare it. Well, if you wanted okay. to make it easy or something, gosh, purple, it's my job. It's yeah. my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, using that as the amazing segue that it was, um, that actually brings us to the arc blade, which is, you know, obviously the weapon of destruction of the blade dancer. And the card says, set aside your weapons and lose yourself in the blade trance. Arc light galvanizes your armor and hastens your movement. And when your knife finds a target, it discharges a snap snap of annihilating current. For as long as the trance lasts, you are the very shadow of death. Dun-dun-dun. Why does the end of that feel like a Robert Oppenheimer? For I am become fraggle destroyer of worlds. Um, <laughs> the very shadow of death. Yes. Um, I love that they refer to it as a train. Um, because there's, say, if you've ever popped Blade Dancer at the end of like a trials match, just out of spite that you ended with your super, <laughs> uh, you know, you will notice that there's, there is sort of a swaying cobra type, you know, aspect to it. You know, it's, it's, it's it's very it's it's almost like it's actually alternating current like you're actually undulating somewhat undulating uh, I, was, I was looking for the right word that might not yeah. be yeah well i mean it makes sense that it would it would the frequency would vary mhm so undulating is as good a word as any but snap of annihilating current so, okay, Mr. Electrician Man, I had a question for you. Yes, I'm... <laughs> I love these episodes! Mm-hmm. I know stuff. So does the electric current come in waves? Does it function like waves where it undulates like you were saying? Uh, it depends on the type of current. So the the type of electricity that's... 
you know, in 90% of the applications on planet earth, well, that might be a little high, but you, you get me, um, mm-hmm. is alternating current, meaning it's produced by a generator that has a rotary motion to it. Now, because of the way the generator's made, and I won't get into that because that's a whole conversation, the polarity of this current is constantly swapping, swapping polarity. It's constantly doing a cycle from a neutral state or a zero state to a positive peak back Mm -hmm. to a neutral state or zero state, and then to a negative peak. And that's called a cycle. Mm -hmm. What we're used to here in America is 60 cycle or 60 hertz. If you've ever heard the term 60 hertz, Mm -hmm. um, which is like if you've ever bought an appliance in North America, it's going to be rated for 120 volt, 60 hertz. Um, Hertz will have to tell us what what frequency they're on in Canada. But anyways, um, when they refer to that hertz, that's the frequency. So 60 hertz means um, 60 times a second our alternating current here in North America goes from that zero voltage state to a positive peak value. So in the case of 120 volts, it goes to 120 positive and then comes back to zero and goes to 120 negative and back to zero. So it goes from zero, positive, negative, back to zero. It's doing that 60 times a second. So if you've ever wondered why certain electrical appliances hum, that's where the hum comes from. It, it's not humming because it doesn't know the words. Like my first, <laughs> Like my first mentor told me. He was giving me bad intel. No, it hums because of that <laughs> vibration, which comes from that constant alternating of polarity. Um, that's where alternating current comes from. Direct current, which to give you an example, most of us are, you know, you know, uh, familiar with is a battery. And direct current doesn't swap polarity. Direct current is always the same polarity. Um, so... When we talk about that undulating or that, you know, that kind of humming quality to electricity, it's much more um, associated with alternating current, which, um, you know, is is more times than not man-made electricity. It's not really made because, you know, the laws of conservation of energy tell us that you can never create energy. You can just... Um, convert it from one form to another. So when I say man-made energy, that's not entirely um, accurate, but I think you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Was that even a little bit on point? Or... It, it, it does help. Yeah. So okay. here's, here's the next question to follow up. And I know I'm kind of going on this a little bit longer, just on the nature of how the arc works. Say a lightning strike is a lightning strike it would not be oscillating like the what, what kind of current did you call it the uh, alternating current alternating or AC current. you know have you ever the band yeah. ACDC um, direct current versus alternating current got it um, so would a, a lightning bolt an immediate strike where it discharges in one place where it doesn't have a chance to vibrate back and forth between two different places or vibrate between two different uh, states whether it's positive negative neutral would that technically be a direct current? Um, so it's, it's really, it can't be quantified as, as direct current um, because it's not in any way, shape or form continuous mm. um, direct current. You know, the, the characteristics of direct current is that it, it is a constant polarity 
the fluctuating the fluctuating nature of a lightning strike that's created by um, and and this is just completely off the top of my head because my my normal job doesn't entail me detailing lightning strikes, but um, <laughs> and and I might have the polarity switch. Why not, at, at, um, at, Justin? At, Justin, remember. <laughs> Remember, if you if you can't find the breaker, just kink the 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 yeah, kink the wire and the kink the wire um, and the I'll, electricity will stop. It's just like water. Yeah, but <laughs> so, but if I have the polarity wrong and there's a physicist in the in the live chat, which if if I say it wrong, there will be one. Um, mm-hmm. So if I have the polarity wrong, just switch it. But you can attribute a lightning strike to a concentrated a concentration of positive ions in the atmosphere and negative ions on the ground. So that difference in potential leads for there to be a path for current to flow. That's what a lightning strike is. Now a lightning strike is not constant enough to be quantified as direct current. So, you know, you will, my layman answer on lightning strikes is, they're kind of neither. They they have characteristics characteristics of both. A lightning strike isn't clean enough to be easily quantified as either. And a scientist could probably tell me all that's BS, but that's my opinion. I you know I like that because when you watch either Arc Blade or Blade Dancer or a our new one, our Arc Strider. When you watch them, if you just pop your super and just stand there, you you vibrate. You're you're oscillating mm-hmm. on your own. And then as soon as you discharge, or as soon as you attack, as I hit my microphone, as soon as you attack something or attack the ground, <laughs> attack the attack microphone, the air, yeah, pretty much. As soon as you hit something, it gives off a discharge, like kind of like an lightning strike, is what I've always equated. Yeah. So when I actually read that part of the article. Speaks about um, when your knife finds a target, it discharges in a snap of annihilating current. I actually am thinking of the guardian as a little bit more of of the of the electrode in this in this situation. Have you ever seen a welder? Right. Yeah, I was about to say, um, wouldn't wouldn't the target be kind of closing the circuit? Exactly. That's that's exactly the way I'm reading it. Um, and and by the circuit, blues referring to we're referring to the the circuit that exists between the traveler, the guardian, the victim, back to the, <laughs> the victim. It has, <laughs> it has it has to be a closed a closed loop or else no current will flow, i.e. no um, Yeah, cuz I mean I just, you know, I'm just as soon as you said that I was thinking arc welding. Like, yeah. Yeah, and and actually this kind of all is I, I think you know, this is really odd moment for me, but all of the things I've been spouting now for close to two years are being solidified now by the fact that when Gaul places the starfish of death on the traveler oh, and God. this interrupt, this, this you can't hear it field, anymore. Yeah. When this interrupted field goes around the traveler, it's actually interfering with that circuit. So in some way, Justin, Justin, hang on. So what I'm understanding you to say, and this is, this is a big moment. It's completely serious is that the starfish of death is actually a cell phone jammer that kills our Pretty cell much. phone reception. Pretty much. Yeah, and I think we've talked about that before. It's, it's and as analogy. pins so pins is correcting me. It's so what it basically is, it's not a starfish of death. It's a chastity belt. 
Yes, and I need I need a video of Gall kicking the sprint guy off of that <laughs> off of that platform. That would be awesome. Can you hear me now? No, but I switch. <laughs> there's my contribution wow i feel like i talked a lot there you guys yay justin i like it i like it a lot okay so we've gone through arc blade blade dancer what do you think purple i mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i just completely lost any train of thought i might have had (laughs) i have that effect Shall we just continue? Uh, well, the next it's, thing's it's worked well, for us so Green, far. I see. I see you have a question about that. That question about the traveler being disconnected, right? Yeah, but it's technically so, it's 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 D two. So okay, here's my well, but it's a valid it's a valid question, and right. I let, think me, it, let me just pose it to the the audience. Uh, the question is: if the traveler, if we are cut off from our light with the traveler. Why is the light directly pulled out of us? You see the the ghost image of the light being pulled out of us with Gaul. Now, I think it was uh, what's unknown unknown posted a video on it. I can't think of his last name or his last part of his gamer tag. Player. Unknown player. He uh, posted a video. I think, mm-hmm, about how Gaul is pulling the soul out of us, essentially, which is the light. Which is a very poetic, <laughs> very very poetic version of it. But it's and like accurate. okay, and... well, part <laughs> part of the soul. He's pulling part of your soul out. He's not pulling he's pu- the conscious part. He's, he's pulling the essence, the ghost right. part. Right, the but, anima. Mm-hmm. But well, no, because we're still animated. Well, but and green, go ahead and finish because I actually have. I think I have an answer for you on this question. The rest of that question was, wouldn't we still hold on to some light? Which is why I was like, okay, we're still animated. We're still alive. Um, granted, I guess we go back to biological functions rather than light, mm-hmm. light-fed functions. But at the same time, how weak we are because we haven't depended on it. I don't know. It's just interesting. Blue, you want to so, jump on that? Yeah, one? so like this is this is actually kind of in line with you know Justin was talking about how his theories were kind of getting support. This is actually kind of in line with my theory of what exactly light is. Um, and so like light is if you if you kind of understand a a tripod theory of metaphysics uh, from an Aristotelian point of view, you have three aspects, right? You have the, the matter, the body, you have what's called the nose, which is the mind or the conscious, the consciousness of the individual. And then you have this, this <clears throat> power, this animating force, this animating spirit that's called anima. Uh, light is kind of like anima. It's an animating energy that is manifested in mostly three elements, but everything in the universe kind of has it, it seems. You see that in actually, and we talked about this, excuse me, you see that a lot in the Thorn series where we were reading through and Dredge and Yor is talking to a bandit and is saying, you just have a spark of light, but it's an, it's something. And that is a normal, normal person that he's speaking to. We're pretty sure. Um, but it, so it points out that light is in everything for the most part. We also see this in the hive hive deal with the consumption of light. 
they that's how they survive that's how they gain their immortality basically is think of the hive as a vampiric race towards anima which is also very similar to what's usually assumed to be the far eastern understanding of a vampire which actually survives off the soul not blood um and i think we talked about that kind of in depth as well but if you understand light to be an animating force then you also have to understand that as part of a natural prog- as a natural thing you're going to have a degree of light that is just innately in you so if you look at a guardian in that way basically what's happened is they the ghost jumped you like they jump started you when they resurrected you you are you are channeling directly from the traveler an immense amount of light right you you have an immense amount more than what is naturally capable of being channeled through someone that's where we get the cop the the idea of the paracausal because we have so much light we can actually sidestep causality when they take that light away that is basically us getting the it's it's like taking a battery and you know pulling it off a charger the battery is no longer connected to a direct current and justin i know i'm slaughtering this the battery is no longer connected to a direct current so it's actually having to run off of itself now if you and as far as electricity goes and this is very similar to a cell phone or a tablet or anything like that if you just leave them plugged in for a long time you know what happens the battery actually actually gets damaged in a lot of them now some of the newer batteries they've they've fixed that but in old time in the old devices if you left your laptop plugged in for a long time you would actually damage your battery to the point that when you did unplug the battery or when you did unplug the laptop it would have a legitimately a, a well a very shortened lifespan because it was so used to having that energy constantly flowing from a, an unending source that when you pulled it out the the battery was no longer capable of holding the charge as as efficiently as it usually did and that's what i kind of see with the guardian is we have gotten our 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 bodies in the game have gotten so used to having this constant influx of immensely you know supernatural amounts of power of light that when that suddenly that plug suddenly gets yanked it's it's us being like oh we have to actually it's like a astronaut coming back to earth oh our muscles actually have to have to hold us up well our muscles haven't had to hold us up for as long as we've been walking around because we've been walking around with the energy of the light so that's why there's you know you're not you're not dead you're not being killed but you are being pushed back into a mortal shell you're you're being returned to mundane qualities and so that's where that's that's my understanding of why you know you see that that animating ghost of energy being sucked out when that when the uh, starfish gets applied does that does that make sense but okay mike my, my question actually it makes sense that we would lose our energy eventually but the fact that it would just to the side still blows my head up well and i think that's also because well, i think that's because of the connection via the ghost i think it's so points to how much of a connection there actually is also also it it depends on how if if we're still talking electrically it depends on how you view the guardian right if if you view the the guardian as a capacitor it wouldn't make any sense that the second the traveler was cut off um 
that we lost our charge or, or our light because a capacitor has a property to it called capacitance, meaning it can hold an electrical charge. Ask any um, uh, HVAC apprentice because their lead man will inevitably charge a capacitor and say, here, catch this and throw it to him. They will shock the <laughs> out of themselves. Okay. But, but um, that's the whole, that's the whole draw of a capacitor. So that leads me to, to, to kind of lean away from the capacitance model. So if you're believing that a guardian is a low, let's just say light capacitive entity, meaning he doesn't have a capacitance, an ability to store a light charge on his own. Okay. If, if you, you go with that model, it makes perfect sense that when you cut off the source, the charge at the electrode, or, you know, when I say electrode in, in electrical jargon, I'm talking about the the point of contact so an electrode on an arc welder is the part of the arc welder that contacts the metal and and you know makes the weld an electrode in a grounding system is the part that makes the contact to the earth if the guardian is the electrode in this light model with the you know the travelers the power source um it makes perfect sense that the second the source is cut off the charge would it, it it's a little bit artsy to have it kind of because that's not the way it would happen. It would literally be more like a water faucet being shut off. Mm-hmm. But but that makes sense. That makes sense. And if if you want to think of the role of the ghost, if you want to think of the role of the ghost, um, I always think of the ghost as more of the capacitor, the guardian as the electrode. And then I'm going to even take it one step farther. There's been the traveler has been ring fenced. Okay. And disrupted. What is the ghost? The conduit. Uh, no. What is the ghost? Literally like a literally what is the ghost made of? Metal. The traveler. The traveler. It's a part of the traveler. Of the so traveler. wouldn't it stand a reason that the parts of the traveler, the disjointed parts of the traveler would be disrupted as well? Because that, that commune with the, with the collective has been disrupted. So now the capacitor has been cut off. The electrodes been severed and the charge is just nowhere to be found. That's my interpretation of that whole. Now I know when Bungie was pitching it to, to put that cinematic together, like, yeah, we'll have like a cool effect. And then the thing will just kind of float up in the air. No one will think twice about it. Big whoop. But that's my thoughts. Well, you can actually, you can kind of explain it away a tiny bit. And I just, I questioned Blue about it. And it's just another way to think about it. If conduit, electrode, traveler, all these different pieces, what if once the ghost resurrects us, it's intimately tied to us? We already know that's kind of the case, that our Mm -hmm. ghost is our ghost. Um, Once the traveler light source gets shut down, the ghost powers down too because that's its direct link but it grabs onto whatever light it can just like the traveler does in some respects mm-hmm. sucking the light out of us to power it one last little bit as it's falling so it pulls the energy out of us towards it because it goes towards the direction of where the ghost has been mm-hmm. not saying that's exactly what it is but it's a theory yeah. as to yeah, why why it happens yeah, there there and there's nothing to say that that all of this paracausal machinery follows all these stupid causal rules I'm trying to impose on it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think that's a good that's a good uh it's a good take on it. And also I want to clarify something just to make sure everyone understands. I, I know I've said it a couple times and it's kind of like a miss I misspoke a couple times, but um I don't think the traveler is a source of anything because I don't think there's a source in the universe. I think there's energy and it's constantly moving and changing and, and evolving and moving and changing and evolving, going from one state to another. Um, I think there are uh, bodies in this, in the solar system with properties that help them to amplify certain effects or facilitate them or disrupt them. But I don't think there are any, you know, sources. The closest thing we have to a source in our solar system is a star. But all that is 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 a you know nuclear nuclear reactor burning fuel. Mm-hmm. And and you know one of the one of my favorite amplifications of light that I can think of is exotic armor. Actually, I would say that this first exotic armor allows you to be more efficient with your light. Why don't we talk about that? Let's talk about it. Which which one we want to talk about first? What do you think, Blue? Oh, man. The Mask of the Third Man is... Uh, it's, it wasn't me. It. Oh, my gosh. It's so... It's such... There is so much trivia about this one piece of armor i could i could probably give like yeah. a 30 minute conversation about to, it I'm actually gonna have to i would it. really like it i'd like it if you'd remind me about the short story about okay know, the so literary reference. The, the literary reference um so basically the mask of the third man is a, a nod hang on let me see if i still have my my note why don't talk talk about the what it does in game let me see if i can pull up because i had notes back when we did the exotic armor um, let me pull those up while you. So tell us, tell us about the game mechanics while I find that real quick. So, uh, no, come, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna make me talk about something I've literally never used. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Mask of the Third Man um, causes your arc blade strike to use less super energy, um, which is super useful. Because you awesome. use, it's more efficient. It's creepy looking too. Well, I think it is a little connect, bit. It's connected to yeah. the hive. And Ooh. also, my favorite uh, flavor text in creepiness that is, it wasn't me, it was the <laughs> third man. I think that's right. I'm just paraphrasing. You could look that up on Ishtar Collective, you know. <laughs> but I feel like I I would be I would be betraying my hunter roots if I didn't know that flavor. I think that's spot on. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna fact check you. Somebody prove me wrong. Check you. <laughs> Mask of the Third Man. Ishtar Say it. Collective dot net. All right. Pulling it up. Come on. It wasn't me. It was the third man. You oh! Good job. <laughs> no worries. Man. Okay, so the three eyes on the mask of the third man, it is the setup of the acolyte, right? Where the, the knight also has that three eyes mm-hmm. set up. You know who else has that three eyes? Sam Fisher. Eris, Eris Morn. Oh, oh sorry. actually she's the one who reminds <laughs> who this this, mm-hmm. this is, I have I have a um 
I have um, an argument. I, I kind of yeah, I kind of have an argument that this is actually an, a helmet from her uh, because of because of the similarities between the hive and the way that this actually works. Um, and because Eris, while she was a guard, when she, when she was a guardian, uh, I'm pretty sure she was a blade dancer. If you read some of the fl- and if you read the Crota in like uh, grimoire story process, she talks about having to survive by hiding in the in the shadows, uh, which invisibility really helps. Uh, when we actually go through Crota in raid, when you go through the beginning, you know the death the death hallway. Um, if you're a blade dancer, that invisibility again comes in very useful. Uh, it's it's used to sneak through. So that's that's where I kind of I kind of make that connection just myself. Um, and then also the arc blade strike uses less super energy, so you can you can use it more, uh, which would be useful against the army of thrall. So it, it's it, to me to me it just to me it seems like a very very clear implied nod um another little trivia fact about it is i and i i'm trying i'm remembering i'm trying to remember this off the top of the head um depending on the gender of your guardian the eyes light up a different color i believe is what that there there isn't there is an aesthetic change to the the armor and i believe it's based off the gender of the guardian um and it's it's the eyes they're either blue or green i believe uh, and I can't. I, I have that's, never noticed that. I it's it's a very 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 small thing. It's like um you know uh the Kaka helmet. I can't ever remember it. Kaka. Uh, the Kaka helmet. The gunslinger helmet. Yeah, the oh, one with the beak. The... Uh, oh, uh, the eyes. The eyes wow. light up. Celestial no, Nighthawk. Nighthawk. Oh, yeah. Nighthawk. Um, the eyes. Yeah, Nighthawk. Uh, the eyes light up when you cast your super on that one. Uh, no, the eyes light up when you aim down sight. I thought it was when the. Okay, well, you know, you you use that helmet more than I did, so I will move defer. Along. So okay, yeah, move along. Okay, back back to your question about um your question about the third man factor. So okay, this is this is an actual uh phenomena that has been documented in multiple multiple cases and it basically is referring to reported situations where a unseen presence which is kind of such as a spirit so just imagine like a ghost ghostly presence provides comfort or support during traumatic experiences um i believe one of the first really documented references was actually in a by sir ernest shackleton uh, where he described a belief that an incorporeal being joined him and two others during the final leg of their journey. And the quote was, uh, quote, During that long and racking march of 36 hours over the unnamed mountains and glaciers of South Georgia, it seemed to me often that we were four, not three, end quote. And so, and basically what happened was he, he, wrote, the, he wrote about this in a book um, called South, and it's actually, it's pretty pretty good but i think i finally managed to find a copy of it um and read it i'm trying to remember it's been a while but basically when he wrote all this the admission of that that sensation actually resulted in survivors across the pretty much across the globe 
coming forward and and basically agreeing and sharing similar experiences when they were going through extreme hardships. Um, you know, you had climb, uh, mountain climbers such as Reinhold Messner, uh, polar explorers Peter Hillary and Anne Bancroft. These are all people who have uh, reported similar experiences. One study of cases actually involved adventurers reporting that the largest group involved climbers, uh, with solo sailors and shipwreck survivors being the second most common group, followed by polar explorers. And this is often related to a concept that is similar to a guardian angel or imaginary friend. Uh, Now, and this is kind of where it gets really fun, because what they kind of did was they've kind of taken this into what modern psychologists have have coined this the third man factor um, and they have actually started using the third man factor to treat victims of trauma uh, the way they argue is that this is a quote cultivated inner character that lends imagined support and comfort to the individual and that's a that's a quote about how you can utilize this factor to help heal um and you actually see this also in literary references, such as uh, T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, which, Green, you should know why I'm focusing in on that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So The Wasteland is actually, um, I think it's lines, uh, let me see, let me find the quote here. Okay, yeah, here, lines 359 through 365 of T.S. Eliot's modernist poem, The Wasteland, were actually inspired by Shackleton's experience. And this is actually, uh, Eliot actually made this note. He, he had, this was, and the quote is, quote, who is the third who walks always beside you? When I count, there are only you and I together. But when I look ahead up the white road, there is always another one walking beside you. Gliding, gliding wrapped in a brown mantle, hooded, I do not know whether a man or a woman. But who is that on the other side of you? End quote. Um, if you look at the helmet, it actually does have a brownish hood, and you cannot tell the gender of it because obviously it's a helmet, um, with the exception of the eyes, which I believe Trigger in the chat confirmed blue for male, green for female. So there, there is that instance as well. The other one that really comes to mind is Lonesome Dove. Uh, there is a Lonesome Dove reference in one of the characters who survives an attack uh during a during the walk back there is um a reference to a a spirit that is guiding them and then also uh i don't know if you guys have read world war z but if you haven't you you really need to it's an amazing book but in world war z there is a character who crash lands in the middle of a zombie infested territory basically they are able to survive um and actually be they're actually picked up and survived by this assistant of a skywalker or sky uh, an individual who goes by the name of skywatcher codenamed Mets fan um which as you later go through the the her short her short little segment you actually find out Mets fan is a completely a figment of her imagination um and even though the character at the end of the the whole thing still maintains that Mets is a real person throughout that entire story it was kind of that was the third man factor that helped her get through the situ- the traumatic situation of you know landing in zombie zombie land um but yeah so the third man factor it's i mean there there's immense amounts of research as far as the phenomena goes i think one of the most recent ones that i'm seeing right now is uh by let me see that's july 3rd of 2009 is sarah chalmers there's an article 
that was written called The Third Man Factor, how those in dire peril have felt a sudden presence at their side inspiring them to survive. So The Third Man Factor has always been a positive factor. It's not a... It's not a... Um, it's not a negative thing at all. It usually comes into place into play when you're going through extreme trauma and it actually gives you the strength to, to continue and to survive those situations. It's a, it's a coping mechanism psychologically. Right. Which again, who do we know who would really benefit from a guardian angel in a dark time and dark space? Mm -hmm. I know. Eris. Which is another why another reason why actually I kind of connect this mask with her is because Eris going through the PTSD that she has from you know from the the depths the third man factor would be something that would allow her to survive. So she spoke to Toland a lot. Do, do we actually know that she spoke to? Toland? I mean, this brings to question that entire thing of was she actually speaking to Toland or was she speaking to a projected image of Toland mm -hmm. you know I mean, and we know that she learned from Toland whether or not well, she learned direct from him right or just but his diary she, or exactly journal. I was about to say we know that she had his journal but we don't know if he actually commute and, and I'm, I'm saying in Destiny's universe we definitely know that he is capable of communicating from beyond the beyond the veil um, so I'm not saying by any means that he didn't, but I'm saying it does bring into question if this is actually something that is connected to Eris as a way, the third man factor would actually point to that maybe she was just kind of, you know, humans are social creatures. We require social connections in order to stay sane to a degree. Mm -hmm. When you are in a solitary, that's why solitary confinement is so effective, right? Even for the most individualistic and loner type personality yeah. eventually solitary confinement will break someone and you'll go insane right. because you, you or you know, i mean no go forward justin oh no i was gonna say you know what this brings to mind is uh wilson from castaway right right and, and, and no and that's actually what i was gonna say is um even in cases of solitary confinement, um, you and, and Justin, that's an, that's an excellent example um, because you see that a lot within the psychological makeup of individuals who are put through solitary confinement, extreme solitary confinement. They will actually invent imaginary people to converse with so that they have that connection. There, there are there are electrons that are fired within your brain when you're communicating with individuals that from a psychological standpoint are necessary for sanity. Um, you, you have to have those to, uh, to, um, continue operating as a human. Um, and so that's, that's where, again, third man factor is that kind of that disambiguous figure that is operating in that way, but An integral, companion it is it is it is it, it provides it provides that for an individual um but and i think the other my final kind of nod to the third man factor i i warned you i could go on for this is this is a, a immensely immensely th familiar thing with uh regards to phenomenology um but the other thing that i find very interesting about third man factor is that it is actually one of the few phenomenas of this type of this this kind of thing that actually is experienced in groups it's not necessarily a solo individual so like an individual will always like you you see that a lot like you know and they kind of they said that they're talking about like shipwreck survivors and stuff like that they that you see that that's the wilson type figures um 
but this has actually been documented from groups of people. So like there are groups in which there they the group feels the presence of this you know guardian angel. So it's not just one person. Now you can you can discuss whether or not that's a shared collective um, of you know the the phenomena or what whatnot. But to me, that's really that's actually really fascinating in and of itself because this is actually a group syndrome, not necessarily a individual feeling that way. Interesting. Interesting. So, okay, I'm gonna segue, and this is gonna yeah. Be a sorry, bit sorry. Nervous, I, I, yeah, sorry, sorry. But I came up with a I, I came up with a segue for this one. Nice. So, We've talked about the third man and how it's just that everlasting presence beside, like within or beside or next that you kind of feel. Well, what better exotic to talk about next than the one that relates back to the one ring within the Lucky Raspberry? Because if you read the Lucky Raspberry flavor text, no one has ever died wearing me. It's true. She leaves the unworthy before they fall. Just like the one ring. She does, precious. She does. <laughs> it's disturbing. It's disturbing how good you are at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's. I never even read it that way, Green. You, you're you're completely correct. That's what the ring does. It's like, oh, you suck. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also read that as a kind of a cheeky way to kind of juice the stats there. No one's ever died wearing me. I leave long before they die. <laughs> uh, I thought oh, that was pretty man. good. You trying to swim away? Sorry. Uh, actually, is are the, are the uh, are the dots on the chest meant to look like a raspberry? I don't know if that a raspberry has discernible shape. It's yes. like a broken rhombus is what it looks like. It's like a blackberry. They named it because of all the modules or all the buttons on it. Like they named the blackberry, the, the phone blackberry, because it looks like all the, the little bulbous things on blackberries. But the the thing that disturbs me about this chest is um, this flavor text reads like a transmission between two separate entities. So you you have the first entity saying no one has ever died wearing me, and then the second entity chiming in saying it's true. She leaves the unworthy before they fall. So it leaves me leads me to believe that this chess piece has multiple personality disorder. Um, Dissociative dissociative identity disorder in an maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. Oh my gosh! And also. And also plagued with a useless exotic perk. Um, <laughs> it just reminds, it makes me think of the, the classical two-headed giant in which the two heads are arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, no, no, you said this. Uh-uh. uh-uh. You said this. Um, so, and actually, the the exotic perk on this one actually nods back to the whole luck factor. It's, it's called make your luck. And... Uh, it's basically your your garbage arc bolt grenade chains a little bit further. Spawns you spawn with full grenade energy. So this is meant to be the hunter armamentarium almost, but it's doesn't give you a double grenade because why? If the grenade um, actually did more than just kind of tickle you, it'd be great. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, I have nothing on this segue for the next one, so tag somebody else, try it. Oh, the ATS-8, Tarantella. The dance. Um, yeah. Oh, God, the The ATS-8, Tarantella, is uh, the chest piece. Am I not I didn't wear this. Yes, it is the, the Hunter Exotic chest piece. Is it a chest? And I thought it, it was... Oh, no, yeah, I think, yep, you're right. Yeah, you're right. yeah, I'm the ATS-8 Arachnid. Arachnid's the Arachnid. helmet. Yes, that's the, uh, um, and, uh, we all know that ATS stands for advanced tech tactical spider. Um, eight <laughs> is the amount of legs <laughs> that spider possesses. Um, the chest, what, is that not canon? Is that not canon? Okay. Well, okay. Um, I was like, man, I'm like, I was impressed that you remembered it and then you ended it. And I was like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> advanced tactical spider and eight is the amount of legs i thought we just a long time ago um so uh tarantella uh yeah it's a play on tarantula um and i love the the flavor text here because it actually kind of mini explains why the exotic acts like it does and i love it when flavor texts do that it says the piezo wave induces controlled muscle spasms to improve combat performance. And I know I've probably explained this before because we've talked about this exotic before. But a a piezo is a it's a type of stone or mineral that has a couple of really special properties to it. Quartz is a type of piezo. Um, what what do you use quartz for most in modern life? watches right mm. so a piezo is a type of, of is a type of mineral where if you apply an electrical charge to it it will vibrate at a specific rate and frequency um that's how you get a quartz watch to work you basically have a battery apply a charge to a a, a quartz prism and it produces a vibrating ticking that you know when finely tuned and engineered can result in, you know, an accurate keeping of, you know, time. Um, now, these things actually work in the, in the reverse as well. If you apply pressure to them, they can actually create an electrical charge. I say create. That's not correct. They convert that. <laughs> I, love, I love how you keep correcting yourself on that one. Well, yeah. So they convert that pressure that force into an electrical charge. This is important for this exotic because when it says the piezo wave induces controlled muscle spasms to improve combat performance, that that makes me think of the Mjolnir armor from the, you know, from uh, Halo, um, from the Spartan projects, in that it takes that pressure that you apply from in the Spartan armor, the Mjolnir armor, it was gel layer mm-hmm. um, that, that took in all these inputs um, it takes that pressure, converts that in, into an electrical signal, and then the electrical signal is interpreted by some sort of, you know, supercomputer embedded in your neck, and then um, translated into combat performance. But this is a really cool exotic. I didn't use it much. It looks awesome. The, if you really focus on the front of the chest, it is a spider's eyes and then teeth, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And uh, also... 
something really weird about this. The Tarantella perk on the perk tree is the arc symbol with bat wings. Explain that one to me. I have no idea. But um, maybe maybe Purple Is it really? Can. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. The, the perk symbol is pretty much, I say bat wings, they're wings on the arc symbol. But the the exotic perk is take reduced arc damage from minions of the darkness. Arc grenades and arc blade recharge faster. Mm. That's and my purple. Purple. Soliloquy. You also you also had something. Well, yeah, I, I was going to point out that it's it's called Tarantella because Tarantella is a dance, as has been pointed out by a few people in our chat. Um, this is an exotic that electrocutes you so that you dance. <laughs> or, or See, as I, as I kind of responded, as I responded, <laughs> yeah. because it's, you wear it as a blade dancer. Yes. Yes. Tiny dancer. Dancer. Tiny dancer. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it is kind of like bat wings. Private dancers. What I was saying. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> I think maybe those are supposed to be blades. Uh, like the blades from the our arc blade symbol. If they are, they're really weird. I, that's my only it, thought. Is it, like, does it not look like wings? Though? It looks like bat wings. I totally see what you're saying about bat wings. If if your job is iconography, and there you fail. <laughs> that's my reasoning. Um, that's all I'm saying. That Bungie's really good at iconography. That's like one of their strongest points. It seems but, like those are wings. Yeah, it does. Those do look like a little bit more wing-like than than blade. But purple and going off that dance, the the history behind the Tarantella. I think it's Tarant Tarantella. Tar- I think you it's Tarantella. Putting you're putting is the it, emphasis on the. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's Italian. I don't know. Um, Pins is going to yell at me. Um, but it's it's actually. Uh, a dance that's origin is connected to Tarantism, which was a disease or form form of hysteria, hysteria, gosh, that appeared in Italy in the 15th to the 17th century and was obscurely associated with the bite of a tarantula spider, hence the, the name. Uh, victims were seemingly cured by frenzied dancing, and that's where you get the whole thing of we're going to shock you until you dance. Nice. That's like the whole dance, like you... Like you think no one's watching. Well, that's that's what the uh, there is in chat. Hiko, <laughs> you can dance if you want to. You can leave other armors behind. Oh man, oh, that's perfect. Oh. Bravo, chat. Bravo. <laughs> I love it. Um, you want to talk about Shinobu real quick and her vow and her vow. Is do we know if Shinobu is actually the name? Of yes. This character. Shinobu mm-hmm. was the uh, purple. Correct me here. Shinobu was the leader of the six coyotes. As far as we are aware, yes. Originator and leader, I I would say. So in the six coyotes, um, oh, I wish I could tell you what they were. Because... Uh, they were a group. They were a group that uh that did uh, stuff. shepherded people. Out they of the did stuff. They did stuff. And collapse. <laughs> so the the Shinobu's vow flavor text is no supplies, armor, and tatters. But the refugees had asked for help, 
and she had given her word. Tale of the Six Coyotes. So, yeah. And so, I mean, basically, we know that they scouted beyond the Cosmodrome wall and that they they would help. Uh, I think it's there's a couple other references to the Six Coyotes, but they're very bare. We do know. So there's oh, the it, Legend of the Six Coyotes cloak. And is it right? a foot? That's the one who you're mo- most people are familiar with. There's an um, artifact called Coyote's Luck. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is like a rabbit's, rabbit's foot, foot luck, right. except it's a coyote's foot. Um, and it it just has a relic of the legendary Six Coyotes, the first hunters to scout the Cosmodrome. Um, and then... The other ones are the same. Um, yeah. So, and the, the only other reference is that Cade points out that some hunters form teams like the six coyotes. Um, and which is unusual in that hunters usually run solo, but we do have evidence that they teamed up on occasion. Um, and my, I guess I was going to go there. I think the other thing is the, in the, the, implication of this particular one is that this was a group that would that would hold to their word even if you know they you know like it says no supplies their armors falling apart but they had been asked for help and she had given their word or given her word that she was going to help them so it it was a it was a non-issue like they were going to help the people um which is again it's kind of like you know in and I, I like the the um, I like the imagery of a coyote pack. You know, like you're like purple. You were saying hunters tend to be kind of solitary. Coyotes tend to be kind of solitary too. But then when they when they find something that they need, they'll pack up. You know, they'll 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 group up on it. They're notorious so. for actually doing yeah. a lot of side flanking maneuvers. Yes, um, to wolves. They're pretty. They're pretty bad here where we are. You can't keep the dogs outside, and if you do, and you have male dogs, they will send a female coyote in heat, mm-hmm. and the male dogs go running, and the male dogs never come back because there's a group of the rest of the coyotes hey. waiting. They're coyote, actually pretty coyote, smart. Coyotes got to eat. Uh, yeah, they ain't gotta eat my dog. Um, <laughs> There's a reason he's the trickster in Native American myth. He's just trying to give him a little something, something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so actually, um, the exotic perk on Shinobu's vow kind of alludes to the type of resourcefulness that you would need if you were one of these um, weary, you know, frontiersmen, which would be new tricks. And basically it improves skip grenade and you gain an additional skip grenade charge. I didn't want to use skip grenade once. They gave me another one. So great. I Um, like skip grenades. It's fun to flush people out with. Meh. Meh. But yeah. It's it's better than uh, I don't know. Arcbolt. Yeah, it's better than Arcbolt. I don't know what that's saying. That's like saying Taco Bell's better than McDonald's. But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I love the aesthetic of this armor piece. By the way, I love how it's part on one arm. It looks to be complete Golden Age astronaut um, suit. 
And on the other arm, it seems like they've sort of incorporated a chain mail type. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, well, you the, know. Ar- the armor was in tatters. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. They they grafted a little bit of chain mail in because that's what they had, presumably from a dead Iron Lord. I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I just went there. Where else yeah. are they getting chain mail? <sighs> so, okay. They're not pounding out chain mail. Let's, you don't everything's... pound out chain mail. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the archivist is not happy with our tangents. <laughs> um, <laughs> so okay, in in all of our episodes where we've gone over the classes, we've talked about different mentors, and we always start with the vanguard mentor. So with us, the best place to start is with Cade. And I think the best thing we see as far as Cade having uh, mentoring status is all the different quests and missions, which Purple is getting ready to start. And I slightly interrupted, which there you go. Go for it, Purple. (laughs) (laughs) I gave you a segue. I segued. Um, Yeah, so Cade basically um, tells you about all the blade dancer, um, you know, bending light in strange ways. He says, um, ghost, um, actually says you're really getting the hang of this hunter thing. Aren't you? The light bends in some pretty strange ways. I bet anything. Cade will have something to say about this whole, whole electro blade zap thing, (laughs) which I love. I just had to read that out loud. Um, I want Justin to do some of the voiceover for Cade stuff. The, Justin, the, do you want to read the, the next ghost, one? <laughs> the ghost quotes uh, for the talk to Cade bounties are just hilarious. Yeah, let's see. Okay. <laughs> the one that you're... <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so is, the, is that the one that starts with I've been trapped? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh I've been tracking raw amperage, and that little slicer puts out some serious juice. Try to remember one member of this team doesn't have armor to protect him from the zaps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor ghost. So prissy. Like like 99% of the other time, Standing there over us, just kind of scanning us like a freaking kiosk at Walmart. Uh... Wow, that analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I did want to also point out, and Purple, I'm sorry, I'm in advance for this tangent. The other thing that this points, this entire quest mission kind of does point to is a potential. So we know Kate actually kind of has a tendency to kind of delegate the whole teaching others, you know, the whole being adult and responsibility. He kind of delegates that to other people like Tevis. We know that Tevis kind of helped train a lot of, a lot of hunters because Tevis is the grumpy old guy that it rolls his eyes because people ask him why the golden gun is gold, why it's called golden gun. Um, there's another figure and it's, I think it's, uh, she goes by the name of Ain Suhu Asa. Uh, and this is another figure that doesn't have a lot of 
references in the grimoire, but the references that she does have, they've all been referred to, or they've all been in reference to teaching or in explaining something. Um, so, for instance, in the in the bla- the path of the blade dancer quest, she has a quote that says, "You're good or you're dead. There's no paperwork to file, no walls to hide behind. Just one simple truth: you put a knife in them, for they put a knife in you. Anyone tries to tell you it's more complicated than that, they're lying to you." Um, <clears throat> and then there's there's a couple other things, but so and purple knows where I'm going with this because I kind of fell down a etymology tan rabbit hole with her name. Um, Ein is actually Scottish for own, like you own something, and it actually comes from a Gaelic term for what, or a Gaelic term that means difficulty, hardship, or trouble. And then Suhu, it's S U H U, is actually Indonesian for teacher, and that comes from a Chinese word, and it's also a term that they use for the monks in Buddhism. So this is actually someone who owns a teacher or is a teacher, a difficult teacher. And then Asa, which is A-S-S-A, is actually Finnish, Finnish for ace, as in the card, ace. Um, so th- there's actually a, a really kind of fun little random connection there. Uh, and yeah, and I'm sorry, yes, Ain, Ain is also uh, means necessity, emergency, pressure, desperation, violence, or duress. So it's a, I'm like, that's a really rough teacher. And, um, Can don't you imagine a hunter teacher being any other way. No, not really. I mean, if you read Tevis's quotes, he's, I mean, Tevis sounds exactly like this type of teacher too. Um, especially with the golden gun like that. That's like, that is probably one of my favorite quotes from him is his, like, you can just hear him being like, are you kidding me? Like what? Mm-hmm. Go away! I I really don't want to deal with you. Um, and so she and she, I mean, she is kind of more of the. I I, I want to say there's only like two or three references to her off the top of my head, but they're all I like in found oh, one, two, three, four, five, including this one, five, five. Okay, but they're all like instructive quotes really they're not like there's don't nothing, second guess yourself yeah there's nothing really kind of they, it, they're, they're very similar to tevis's yeah. quotes this one's my favorite fly high strike hard repeat yes mm-hmm. no nonsense <laughs> just it's a hunter it's a i mean it's it's like it's just the the you know the straight shooting hunt i mean well and you kind of get this too because in this quote she's like you put a knife in them before they put a knife in you if anyone tries to tell you it's more complicated than that, they're lying. Like, and that kind of ties back into, I think it's, is it the Shaq or is it Shax or is it Zavala? That's like, they don't have any honor because <laughs> Kate just kind of is like, yeah, right. That's, that's not Zavala. I believe I'm trying to, I'm trying to find it. I think I have, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. I don't, I don't know if I have that particular quote, but yeah, there's the quote about, I'll look for it. But yeah, and then like and then um the other thing from the Path of the Bully Dancer is where you get the 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 famous quote from Tevis that he says, Don't believe Kate, half the things out of his mouth are lies and the other half are fibs. And that's he's he likes to say he stole the secret of stealth tech from Rasputin, and that's how Blade Dancers learned the trick. Ha. 
because I think purple isn't there a boot? Isn't isn't it the boots that actually mentioned that the hunters kind of stole the idea from the warlocks? Yes, there is an argument between hunters and warlocks. Everyone is surprised by this, I'm sure. Yes, I'm, I'm um, about surprising. who stole things from whom. Um. Because there's, and I can't remember exactly which items go with which, but there's one item that says, you know, the warlocks stole it from us. And, oh, yeah, that's and right. there's one that say, the warlocks say the hunters stole it from them. Like, <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> we also invent words to make warlocks like us more. Oh, yeah. God. Frabjus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we share the love of that towards, uh, towards Titans. I mean, right. Purple. I think you had, you had an agreement with yeah. one of the quotes. Well, um, so th- there in the pain and errata, it says mission goal four, keep your boots clean. Five, keep your gun clean. Six, make friends with a Titan. Never know when one will come in handy. <laughs> yes. Utilize all the tools around you. I mean, you're not wrong. So, a hunter needs to make friends with a titan for the same walked next to the tank. Um, just want somewhere for the bullets to go that aren't them. <laughs> just need... Just... Oh, man. Because I think... Uh... And that kind of that actually kind of brings me to one of the <clears throat> one of the posts that I actually saw over on Reddit. Uh, and this one this one actually has a has a and Justin, I think you're probably more in line with this particular thought. Uh, this is from a user who goes by the name Glamdring eight oh four, and I actually really wow. I yeah. Well, just hang on, just hang on, hang on. I'm just clapping for the name. Oh, okay, okay. So the quote that I took from it is, Hunters see the light as just another tool in their toolkit. All across the board, they shape the light into physical weapons. This can be simple, like lengthening and sharpening their knife into an arc blade, or complex, like a fully functioning golden gun or a dusk bow, which shoots projectiles that rips holes in space-time. It seems that Hunters are doing somewhat the opposite of what warlocks are doing. They are drawing closer to the light. Blade dancers, instead of empowering their knife, create... Or, yeah, blade dancers, instead of empowering their knife, create a spear made entirely of light. Gunslingers can fire more shots from the gun. He's talking about the transition into Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes on and he says, Guardians channel various wavelengths, elements of light. The source of your connection to the light is given to you by the Traveler, but it m- might be possible to form a connection to the light independent of the Traveler. How you use an element is shaped by your mindset and the perceptions of that element. So again, going into the whole um, classes are dependent on kind of your psychological view of the world and stuff like that. But I I really liked his kind of, and I I saw this earlier in the chat, they were kind of talking about like the evolution of the Blade Dancer into the Arc Strider. Um, And I'm sure we're going to have an episode on the Arc Strider, you know, after Destiny 2 drops and we've kind of gotten into the lore of the arc strider exactly but really quick before we jump into dispatches what are what are your guys's thoughts um on that evolution do you guys have any i I mean i have my theory but i'm curious if you guys have a theory on where that where that change in the super came from who wants to go first 
Uh, well, mine's not very sexy. <laughs> Let's my, get it out of the way theory, then. Let's get it out of the way then. My theory is they wanted to better balance the game. <laughs> <laughs> so game um, mechanics. I don't know. Yeah, game mechanics. I know that's a but I, I don't know that there was any overarching story element to to why the supers changed the way they did i i think the the best example of that is golden gun i think in the beginning the way they described a gunslinger um they wanted it to be the fire from the hip last word not aiming down sights that's that's the flavor of that super how they wanted it to be used not the roaming long range sniper that uh, Golden Gun totally became, and now, now, they've changed Golden Gun into much more of a quick twitch. Um, yeah, you you need to pop it when you're in proximity of multiple enemies, and do much like Cade does in that in that oh, in the opening parts of the Homecoming mission, where you come up on him and he goes, "Oh yeah, just one second, and ka ka ka." That's how they want you to use that super. That's why I think it got refined. Is there an overarching? So, or reason for so that? I don't to, know. You have to wait until it's high noon to use it. Oh, jeez. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's it sounds like you just need to wait for the the correct time. Mm-hmm. Like the high noon time. High noon, and a tumbleweed rolls across. <laughs> Green. Oh, what about you? <laughs> I think. The Arc Strider is an, the answer to the fact that Blade Dancers could only really, uh, besides the little spinning move that you did, could only really attack one person at a time. So I've been playing primarily Arc Strider in the beta. And what I've noticed is that I have actually a slam. I have a Titan Smash, essentially, with it that I can just wail on different people or different mm-hmm. groups of people. I think it's making it feel a little beefier. Because Blade Dancer, quite frankly, I stopped playing it after year one because it just felt weak. I felt like I couldn't actually kill anybody because I was too weak and too vulnerable. And it was easy for other people to team shot me if I didn't get all of them, if they were spread out too much. I couldn't dance around fast enough to get all of them. So I think it's kind of an answer to that. As far as lore change, I think it's just a different uh, focus instead of focusing on the knives, we're focusing on a bigger medium being the staff. That's about the only lore type guess that I have for it. Okay. And purple. Well, you know, on a rabbit hole radio, we do a lot of spin foil theory, which is not my strength. <laughs> um, <laughs> in case you what? didn't notice. <laughs> um, but they've they've really been helping me kind of think about things outside the box because I really like the box. It's really safe and nice there. Very square. Um, <laughs> Very square. Me too. Um, however, it um, watching the D two trailers and kind of having nothing to do but sit around and speculate about things because we have like four things to talk about um, as far as lore goes. It makes me wonder if um, there are so many comments about our guardian being unique in 
um, among guardians, like guardians are special, but there's something extra special about the player character. Mm-hmm. And um, we have sprinklings throughout the grimoire of these very special guardians who possibly changed the way that we used mm-hmm. the light. Like the first time a Titan smashed instead of made a wall, right? Um <clears throat> So what if our guardian is that next special guardian who is finding a new way to play with the light and the blade dancer um, took the light that they had and the arc power that they had and just transformed their knives into a longer piece so they could reach farther. Mm-hmm. because that was a problem that they were having. And so that guardian figured out a way to manipulate themselves, their light to do what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, def- um, uh, Sentinels, you know, kind of the same situation. Like I have this shield, it's really awesome, but I can't, it's completely defensive. I can't reach anyone um, outside. So I can't move it either. So let's figure out a way to manipulate it so that I can, um, you know, so that I can be on the offense if I need to, so that I can make a different kind of wall if I need to protect it a different way. Mm-hmm. I, I guess my main, my main problem with the, uh, with integrating these new sub, these new subclasses into Canon is I was, wishfully thinking the TTK method for introducing subclasses would become the norm because that's my favorite thing ever. The subclass quest that gives you, uh, gives you kind of the, the underpinning and the, like the, the flavor of how and why you got that subclass. Um, you know, and that may still yet be in the game. Like they may mm-hmm. have just thrown these subclasses on us um, just to let us play them because it is a beta still. And that's the hard thing to remember. It's really polished for a beta. I don't know if you guys have, that's been y'all's thought, but for a beta, this seems for, a lot more a like a, for a beta. The, I will give you that. Yeah. But for a beta, this seems a lot more like a, a like a, a hype tool than a beta because usually a beta is a little bit rougher than this this is really polished for a beta in my opinion but anyways i'm just saying i really hope in the in the finished article of d2 there's some sort of incorporating aspect to these subclasses and it's not just like we spawn in the homecoming mission throwing dawn blades and not a single person turns and goes wow that's new yeah, you well, know, like, and I and I kind of have so to I have I have a theory in purple. I know you probably have a theory on this one too, but let me let me go back to the evolution of the Arc Strider just real fast, just to put my my theory on top of everyone else's. Um, I've kind of and, and most people who have listened to us for a while probably are are aware of my thought on the summoning of the super manifestations. I, I view it as a summoners, literally a summoning. Um, if you pay attention to it, the the game mechanics are actually explainable via lore. If you watch every single guardian when they summon their super, they all go through the same motion. The golden gun always gets lifted above the head. The arc blade always, you know, gets thrown behind and jump. 
the Night Stalker always jumps in the air and summons the bow that way. Every single Guardian summons the powers the same way. The thing about summoners in Green, you you said this, and I want to I want to go back to what you said. You said a different foci, and that is extremely important if you look at it as if we are just summoners and you change the ritual. If you change the ritual of a summoning, you change what you summon, and so and this kind of ties in, um, you know, purple and green. This is this is kind of a synergi- synergizing of what you both are saying. I think in that we are changing, we are evolving as guardians. We are becoming legend, as you know that that's kind of the catchphrase of this entire game. We are becoming legend by actually pushing the boundaries and reinventing reinventing the way that we use the paracausal capabilities that we have been gifted that is where you get the arc blade the the arc blade and then that's how the arc blade becomes a a kimbo staff basically um and that's that's really kind of what that is is it's they change and i I mean i'm going to challenge people go look at the summoning animation for an, a arc strider and compare it to a blade dancer they're probably going to be slightly different that could be you know something that is it, it gives them a chance from a game mechanics point of view to show off you know a new animation but also within the story that also can be used to explain why you have a different manifestation of that same power it's the same energy it's the same element it's the same light but it's a different manifestation of it and then going into justin what you were saying about the subclass thing and i'm I'm just going to say real quick before i hand it over to purple um you know i i agree 100 percent with you um i think that the quest process the the entire concept of the quest which We've been told, you know, repeatedly that they are focusing more on the quest as of, and, and it because it makes sense. It you know it helps the storytelling in game. It, it kind of lays it out nicely for anyone who doesn't want to go outside and read the grimoire. Um, that's a good way who to kind of. Wouldn't want to do. I don't. That. I don't which, know. Which I'm you just. Won't I, be able to do I, anymore. I'm just. I'm just trying. I'm trying to reach out to people. You know, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, no, and, and so, I mean, like the the entire concept of the quest is a very cinematic. I think I saw. Uh, They'd had a panel today at SDCC, and uh, Bungie, I think it was Bungie Informer, said there's like 52 cinematics in Destiny 2. Like, there's nice. an, there's an enormous That's amount. There's a lot of cinematics. There's, there's a I'm lot. I'm loving it. Um, he, he was tweeting. I was retweeting on the Twitter, but he was. I think that was. I think that was the number. It's 52 cinematics. He was also talking about the transformation of Gaul, uh, his armor. Uh, they changed it to the white armor because of the way that he views Shadow White Gull? Yeah. Well, there's there was a reason. The he views himself as a valiant knight. Um he views himself, you know, and and Luke Luke Smith has said that. Uh he he said that Gaul sees himself as the hero in his own story. Right? He he sees himself as correcting a wrong that was done to his people. And so mm-hmm. as that valiant knight, he wears the white armor. You know, he it's 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 a it's a very I I'm I'm really big I'm really hopeful to see how that goes. But yeah, there was there was I mean yeah, it's a trigger is in chat. He said fifty two, um, but it, but what I'm saying is like so we know that they're they're kind of focusing right on that type of storytelling, and I'm hopeful for that because and Justin, I'm agreeing with you a hundred percent. I I would really hope that before we get these new supers, um, this is part of the growing process you know i really hope that when when we start off the game 
we are playing year one Guardians, mm-hmm. and then we get kicked off the the ship, and then you know through pick the me, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> so I, I will, I will, I will. I'm just gonna finish pick real me. quick. Then, then when we get kicked off, you know, we get kicked in the head. We lose our cell service, um, and we have to go rebuild the cell towers and all that to get our connection back. You know, that's when we get introduced to these new classes and purple, purple go. Okay, so here are my thoughts on that. I also like the subclass quests, and I think that the reason we had subclass quests um, in in D one in the Taken King was because. They, we are learning, we have to learn a new form of the light because it's a different element than one we have, we've never used before. Right, right. Where, so like, that's a whole process that you have to take step by step. Whereas what we, we've gotten here in the beta is basically we're just using the light we already have in a different way. Like we've molded it into another which I also you another know, just, way. right, and I, I think just to interject real quick, I think that goes to what you guys were saying about our guardian being different and being special. Is I think that is what makes our guardian special is that we have the ability to mold that. So I think I think that's important for our guardian particularly. Before the beta came out, and when we just had like um, just a little bit of information, and we knew that we were getting new abilities and stuff. Um, I had a thought that, very similar to what you just said, that these new abilities would come after we lost our light and then regained it. So it's like, okay, we regained the power, but maybe, um, you know, either we figured it out a different way, or now that we've gone through this trauma uh, of losing our light, we can access it in a different way, um, or however it ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it really just comes down to, are we able to use the new powers like in the opening mission, basically? Right, right. And I I, I, actually, I, I honestly hope we aren't. I mean, I think from I, the I really storytelling... Don't know. I, yeah. Here's my video game noob coming out. This is the first beta I have ever played in my whole life. So I don't know anything about like what they change or what they don't change or anything like that. So... They it, don't feel bad about that. My first yeah. was Halo Five. I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, going into betas, it's mostly about stress testing. Like, really, honestly, it's it's all about really pushing the hardware to make sure that nothing's going to break when it goes live. So you on you you can't really take a lot of what's in the beta. I mean, you can, but you're you, it's take it worth a grain of salt until it gets confirmed in the full game. Right. Um, right. And, and I think Justin, I think that's kind of, you know, in line with what you were saying is this is a hype machine. So, um, I think they introduce the new supers into the first mission because first off they want to show off the new mission. They don't want to show off, you know, the after, after effects, because I think mm-hmm. the other thing that they said is like, you know, the after after the first mission, that's when we start getting into the EDZ and that's a massive, you know, map and that that's a whole that's a whole different stress test, really. Um, but the other thing is they can I, I mean, honestly, I think they can toggle the super, you know, it, it's not I, I don't see that as being a huge issue to turn on and off as far as of the whole thing, like, you know, changing. If that does yeah. that make sense, Green? Yeah. I know you had something there. 
Well, I mean, I think it's more in line with what you were saying and what Justin pointed out is that this is a this is a way to show off their game and they mm-hmm. want to show off the best parts of it because right. they want the to new bring stuff. new players. And so they're going to have us play the new classes. I if they have us have we have no reason to have the new subclass at day one of Destiny Two. There's no reason why we would change from Blade Dancer to Arc Strider. Now, granted, it could be literally just game mechanics that they're going to change it that way, but I don't think they will. I think the way that Bungie has been so story-driven, I think there's there may not be a mission that we do where we have to we learn how to do Arc Strider. I would love it, and especially with the reaction that they got about the first mission for Night Stalker or for Sunbreaker or, or the Stormcaller. They had so many people love that mission that wanted to go back and play it, and they couldn't. couldn't. Yeah. And so I would be super shocked if that was not included in one shape or form in D2. I don't think we'll have Arc Strider Day 1 unless you're playing through the missions very quickly. But, yeah, I I think it's going to come in. Justin, what do you think? No, I just when when you remember going back to TTK when we first got those third subclasses, it – they gave you the feeling that we were tapping into something much more ancient and primal and, and a little bit more primitive. Um, when we went through those subclass quests, you were like the, the, uh, night stalker, for example. Right. It's like, it's, it's like getting, you know, like you're stalking the wilderness. Like you're, you're getting back to, to your, the, actually the night stalker, seems to be kind of the essence of what is a hunter. Um, and when you go to the storm collar, it's, it's all so much just freaking raw power and just primal energy of you channeling the storm. Um, I'm wondering if these supers aren't going to be a little bit in that vein in that they are a back to basics, no frill, uh, no frills type of progression. And I would freaking love it. Love, love, love it. If there were actually a subclass quest mission where you popped your Blade Dancer super and had to kill scores of enemies, and slowly as you killed the enemies, your knives turned into freaking Arc Strider staff. And then at the end, you had your Arc Strider staff. You could do that for each subclass pretty easy too, though. Like, I think that'd be pretty fun. That's just my crazy idea. From a mechanics perspective, though, we would not be able to get into PvP with some of the old classes. We would not be able to get in with Blade Dancer. So I don't even think Blade Dancer will be an option. Well, I think it will. (laughs) I think I think it will because I think it's on the lower the lower half, right? Isn't it on the lower half of the skill tree? Yeah, just remember Destiny One. you weren't even eligible for PvP until certain level, so they could completely do that. I think it's. Well, level in Destiny five. One, you didn't even unlock Blade Dancer until like, level fifteen. No. Well, right. no, so I'm talking think... about when you could first go into Crucibles, like rank. Oh five yeah, yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. You had to. But that's what I'm saying. I think we're going to start again with Gunslinger, and work through the missions, and not even be high enough level by the time that we lose our light. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you. I don't think that's what they're doing. That's just what I would like them to do. But that also begs the question of with, I know this is a sort of subject for Blue, but the fact that Night Stalker is Ugh. not confirmed so far, 
um, not cemently confirmed at least. Right. But the, if we were starting day one with just Gunslinger, and then we know that Arc Strider is the next one we can unlock, just like we did in Destiny 1, where we started level one Gunslinger, and we didn't even get to unlock the next subclass until later, mm-hmm. which would be our Arc Strider. The next one we could unlock or break into would be the Void class of some sort. And it would be interesting to see how they. I just want my purple arrows that. back. That's I all know. I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Purple they... arrows. <sighs> Just be excited for what's coming, Blue. <laughs> Can you tell that we've had this conversation off air a lot? Um, even on air, go even, back to Wednesday nights. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I know there there is two people that we didn't really mention who are kind of known blade dancers. Real quick before we get to the dispatches, um, and those were well, we kind of mentioned Eris and the theory that Eris was a blade dancer, but. Also, we forgot to mention Andal Brask, who was the um, the Vin- Vanguard mentor before Cade. So it's pretty pretty strongly implied that he probably had blade dancing knowledge as a Vanguard mentor. We've kind of discussed that the reasoning behind that multiple times. Um, and then the other one is Saimota. Uh, Saimota actually, we kind of actually have specific callouts for her being a blade dancer. And she actually is pretty, she's a pretty ruthless blade dancer. She actually, yeah, she actually blade danced with the bones of thrall. Like she, she used all her night or acolytes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. She, she used the bones of her enemies as weapons, which I'm sorry. After her, after she killed so many things that her knives broke, broke. Yeah. I was, Oh my God. Like, this is the level of amazingness. <laughs> like, you remember earlier when we were talking about how all those quotes about like knives don't run out. Well, yeah. guess what? <laughs> she found a way. She found a way. Sai, yeah, Sai's a bit of a monster, and yeah. So yeah, those those are two the the other two kind of I guess the other two kind of softly confirmed blade dancers in my mind um that we didn't that we hadn't mentioned yet are you guys good to do you guys have anything that you really wanted to mention before we jump into dispatches real quick uh this could go on all night i think i'm good i know okay Mm -hmm. probably good i'm good all right let's go dispatches real fast we got a couple of those Dispatches from the wilds. All right, so we got we got a couple of dispatches, like I said, um, and again, reminder for everyone: we are actually well, and we'll do this in the shoutouts as well. But we are actually collecting dispatches from Twitter now as well, so uh, be sure to use that as well if that's an easier medium for you. But um, the first one hashtag. actually, ha- well, yeah, hashtag what. What was it? Ask, ask FFC because FFC, hey, guess what? We pulled a Guardian Radio. Uh, FFC is apparently a soccer club. Um, yeah, Justin, laugh it up. Laugh it up, Justin. Fulham, Fulham Football Club. Yeah, I don't know what any of that is, but it's apparently a thing. Um, so the first one actually comes from Archangel, I think it's Archangel 083. And this was actually from Discord. So again, Discord is another way that you guys can get a hold of us. Just uh, 
basically private message me over on Discord and shoot me a question. And his first, and he has two questions, and they're really good ones. First question is, do you guys think that with the invisibility perks that the Blade Dancers were pretty much the scouts? And then the next question after that is, what is an ability from another class or completely new that you would like to have on a hunter? So, Justin, go. Uh, yes, I think they were absolutely scouts. Um, if you actually go back to that hunter card, it, it actually refers to them as keen scouts. They were the primary scouting class. And invisibility is like if, if you had a scout and just said, what, you know, what ability would make your life easier? Invisibility would be it. Like that's what you want. You want to be advanced, close to enemy lines, close to your subject, whatever you're scouting, without being seen. So, yeah. And then the ability from another class or completely new that you would want to have on a hunter. I've said it since day one of vanilla. I want on my hunter. The only thing that's separating my hunter from the other classes in terms of power, I want a melee that grants me an overshield. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. That's, that's actually that's a really good one. Mine. I want okay. a melee with a greater reach. That was what I was going to say. Eh, just throw your knife. But if you're not playing like gunslinger, I like okay. Throw your smoke bomb. Don't okay, wombo combo. Yeah, anyway. What do you think, potato? Potato potato. Wait. Purple. Mm-hmm. See, it's I'm late. Tired. I, I just very late. Uh, wow. Pur- purple Pur- potato. Purple yeah. potato. Gah. Uh, well, I mean, yes, I agree that they were scouts. Um, that seems a, a better choice than Golden Gunners. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as another ability, I really don't have an answer to this question because I don't really play Hunter. <sighs> <laughs> I have... There's, there it is. <laughs> Justin's <laughs> response is still going on. You guys just can't hear it because you stopped breathing. Dogs, are. Dogs can hear it. Sorry. It's okay. Go on. I have a really awesome hunter in my fire team. Um, and he is like super amazing. Um, and he is like the worst Titan. Like, I don't know how you can put a bubble in the wrong place, but like he can. Do I it. know. Okay. So <laughs> Justin. That's just the deal that we Fraggle. have. <laughs> I do the tightening. He does the huntering. That's how nice. it works. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I would have to say I have more respect for you playing a Titan than if you were playing Warlock. So I know I'm going to get some hate mail for that. I don't care. Because I like <laughs> wow. Titan. Titan's my second. Although mm-hmm. D2, Defender, Defender D2, was always my second. Yeah. D2 Warlock is a lot more fun to play so far than in D1. So I might pick it up and actually play it a little bit more than just feeling like I'm obligated to have to play it because <laughs> I have to talk about it. Yeah, see, I, I just talk about the game on the internet. I don't actually play this game so i really only have time to have one character <laughs> yeah 
All right. Um, so yeah, and like I said, or like like it's been said, I, I think that yes, the the Blade Dancers were definitely the scouts. Um, and actually, Justin, you you win on that that ability because I could totally see that being very useful. It would wreak the, havoc on balance. I, would, I mean, it, it would destroy the balance, but yeah. be, <laughs> but I I'm okay fun. with that. It would be fun to destroy the balance. Um, the next one is actually an email. And we got this one from Cobalt Cam, and he says, In the mission Cade stash, Cade is perplexed that his flux grenade didn't detonate. We assume the Vanguard has the ability to use all subclasses. Do you think this shows, however, that they may be more proficient with one subclass over the other, in Cade's case, Gunslinger over Blade Dancer? And the second question, I know the co-hosts all play Hunter. Do you prefer your main Hunter subclass for mechanics reason, player fantasy, or both? Justin? Jump. Okay, so you you actually mechanics jump, jump, yeah, no, no, not all the mechanics, just jump. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you actually like having a jump? I like to have a jump. I don't like to float around like some sort of ghost in a dress. I like that his internet censored him. I know. <laughs> I said ethereal ghost <laughs> in a dress. Sure, yeah, no, you did. Basically, I played sure. in the beginning. I made a I made a warlock first, and then I made a titan, and then I made a hunter. And coming from first person shooters with jumps, um, <laughs> the hunter was the most normal progression for me. If I wanted to be the rocketeer, I would buy some sort of rocketeer game. But no, yeah. <laughs> Good Great. rough rides. That's a good movie. Yeah, um, right. As Billy, far Billy as stash, we do know that Cade prefers Gunslinger. Like when we see him in cutscenes, he pretty much uses Gunslinger. I don't know if he's more proficient necessarily because I think he's supposed to be proficient in all. I think it's more of a case of him just being uh, making excuses for like no. Cade does. You know. Yeah. Pretty much. But more more telling about this is that a flux grenade is a tangible object that and integrated into a booby trap. Hmm. And not so much uh, a momentary manifestation of light. That's God, true. I'm not doing a really good job of ending the show. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah. As far as the second question goes, I prefer playing uh, Night Stalker in Destiny 1 just because I I enjoy being able to be more of a support class. And I know that's something that Blue will actually say as well as far as the Night Stalker goes. Mm-hmm. I like being a support class. And when I play any other RPG type game, I'm always a support class, whether it's the healer or somebody who does area of effects just to annoy the Jesus out of anybody that's the kind of character I like to play so as far as beginning of D1 why I picked it it's the jump I hate I hate warlock jump and you've heard me say that before titan jump's not too bad warlock jump's dumb those are my reasons yeah okay purple purple potato (laughs) hey those are good (laughs) they are (laughs) thank you um I, well, I mean, I guess it depends on 
if like the flux grenade, we know that it's been there. Like, well, we don't know how long it's been set, you know, it's been set up there. So maybe it, I don't know, lost its charge and it doesn't work anymore. I, I don't really know <laughs> um, why it didn't go off um, unless it went off earlier and he wasn't aware or yeah. maybe it was a dud or maybe just I've, like no one tripped it. And so like, I've heard that happens to a lot of hunters. It's okay. <laughs> it's um, Go away, Justin. As far as the second question, I feel like I already kind yeah, of answered yeah, yeah. that. I'm yeah. exempt. Fair enough. You're exempt You're from that exempt. one. You're exempt. You're exempt from that exempt. one. <laughs> blue, blue, okay. Blue. Okay. Well, yeah. But what about what about what about your subclass? Right. So you play you play a titan. Do you so do I, you main it for I'm, mechanics or player fantasy or what or both? Um, I main defender. Um. I main defender because I have I'm really terrible at video games and I like having a panic button. Um, and bubbles are really good panic buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because they're purple. Yeah, that's good. Green, what'd you what'd you have? Uh, just back on the flux grenade, real quick. Flux grenades don't work in a time setting in game. They immediately go off once they land. Unlike trip mines which mm-hmm. can go off whenever they're tripped. So maybe he was trying like, to make... <laughs> he was trying to make a trip mine and he put a flux grenade. And was shocked that it didn't go off <laughs> Oops. Because that's a cave thing to do. <laughs> that is a very cave thing to do. <laughs> now I have like this picture of him like putting the wrong grenade in. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I totally meant for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh and actually, I think that's I think that's I think that is the case. I mean, I, I think I think most guardians actually have access to all the different subclasses within their class. It's just there is a gravitation towards a particular element, right? And I mean, Cade Cade is definitely that figure that is much more a gunslinger. He's got the wit. He's got the quick, you know, the quick comebacks. He's very showy. He's very flashy. Which you know, if you look at blade dancers, they're kind of the opposite blade dancers are the the stealth and they're 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 you know they're not wanting to be seen and Cade is definitely the opposite of that so i think he does he does indeed i think kind of gravitate more towards the gunslinger um as far as the main reason i play night stalker um it's actually yeah it's actually both um you know, when I think of <clears throat> if I think of my character in Destiny as outside of like outside of game mechanics and like as an actual character, uh, you know, heads up, I play a lot of RPGs. This is kind of what I do is I kind of make stories in my head kind of to explain why my character does the things they do. Um, it's just something that I do to help pass time when I'm playing games. Um Night Stalker just seems like that's the type of the personality that the Night Stalker has is very similar to to the personality that I would imagine that the character would have in this type of world. And yeah, mechanics is I, I like I like a jump that I can I un- understand. Um and I really like the support functionality. Um, that's actually, I was really excited when we got Night Stalker because I was like, finally, the hunter gets a cla- a subclass that is 100% support. Um, my secondary has always been a defender type because I play support. I play the defender who 
who stri- strategically places things to support other people. Um, mm-hmm. And that's always been, you know, green. I'm kind of on the same page. I, whenever I play, I always take, I either take, you know, the stealth approach or I take a support class approach. That's kind of the two, two play styles that I gravitate towards. Um, so yeah. And in, in answer to that, my, my subclass is for both reasons. <clears throat> and then the final disc, the final uh Dispatch is actually from Potato, the 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 original infested potato, not the purple potato, the infested potato, um, from over on Discord, and I uh, I don't know is uh, does Justin do you want or is just did Justin stuff away? Yeah. Justin, yeah, you no. want you want to read Dance of the Blade? Yes. Okay. I love these, by the way. Please keep these coming. Um, I, and oh yeah, before you start, I am putting these up on the Facebook photo archive, which is linked on our website. If you guys want a, okay. a wallpaper version of these, we have created them. And does is it is it all potato on these, or did, did was uh, Rhino this one, doing some of these too? No, this this one is from Potato. Uh, I haven't gotten any from Bjorn. I think they're. I think he said that mm-hmm. they got swamped. Real life reality has stepped up a little bit. Um, yeah, for everyone across the board. Uh, so I think Bjorn and Mechadrazilla, they they haven't had a chance. That, yeah, it was yeah. Bjorn and them. Yeah. yeah, they haven't had a chance to get one in yet. But this this That's one cool. was directly from Potato. I love it. I'm gonna read it now. Dance of the Blade, the Blade. Sorry, graceful, a blend of beauty and lethality, dancing on the edge of a blade. Bending and twisting through arc light in an elegant display of precision and skill. Death, disguised as art. Silent, unseen, unheard. A shadow out of place. A sound without a source. A figure on the edge of your vision. Unrelenting. There are no fair fights. Nor should there be. What's fun about fair? For beyond the last city, survival is a balancing act. An act between quiet, patient, and ruthless violence. A dance where those who lead, li- <laughs> those who lead live and those who follow bleed. I feel like that's describing a game of infection. <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally. Totally describes infection. Justin, Justin, quiet. follow me. Justin, follow me. I have a good hiding spot. Justin, do not shoot. Do not shoot. <laughs> A quiet blend, a quiet blend of quiet patience and ruthless violence. That's, yeah, I love it. That that is actually very, very, very beautiful. And um, it's the as as a as a piece of prose, the pacing is actually it's it is Blade Dancer. That's mm-hmm. that's really good. That's really good. Nice. I know somewhere, some right now, Fraggle has a single tear. <laughs> uh, do you guys have? So let's jump into final comments and shoutouts. I know it's getting late for for Purple Potato over there. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's your new name. That's that's the that's, Purple that's, Potato. The Potato. <laughs> it's okay. Potatoes are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so final comments um, or shout outs. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a special shout out to um, 
ATL Lupo, who was in the chat, he is my hunter that I was talking about earlier. Nice. He came nice. on just to listen to this one because he is a blade dancer, nice. even though he never reads the grimoire and we fight about it all the time. <laughs> <I still laughs> it's okay. Right. He's a hunter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Green, what about you? Uh, my shout out is to Mr. Penn's Halo whose birthday it is today. And I'm going to embarrass him. I already posted something over in Facebook and I'm going to do a shout out right now for him. So happy birthday, man. Happy birthday. Yeah. He's not one year older. He's one year wiser. Say it's your birthday. Anyway. uh, Also next month's book club. I know Justin's excited for it. Yeah. We're going to do Starship Troopers by Heinlein, so pick up your books now. I would suggest start reading now. I'm sure Justin will be in chat like crazy. Doing the thing! Starship Troopers! Yes! So excited! Mm -hmm. What about you, Justin? Shout out to the aneurysm I just had. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so couple shout outs real quick big shout out to my boy pins um happy birthday um and also thank you so much <laughs> for those for, for those who are here for the pre-show you'll know why <laughs> uh uh-huh. yeah so so thank you so much for hanging around and fixing my computer the last couple of nights you are a god among men um also oh i was gonna say uh Real big shout out, real big shout out to, um, I actually wanted to announce something. So big shout out to Belle's husband, uh, Joey, hot cup, hot cup of Joe. He's actually designing for me right now, a custom piece of art that is going to become a tattoo on my body. And also (laughs) it's my first tattoo ever. So, Aww, um, and, that's so sweet. yeah, and also I might periscope some of it. Yes, uh, <laughs> I was hoping for that. <laughs> but it's, so for it's those actually, of you who would like to watch Justin, <laughs> it's, it's actually all tied into the to the business from a couple weeks ago or last week and the right. previous week with right. the GoFundMe. It's it's in honor of all that, and and Joey was was gracious enough to to donate his time and his talent to, to put together a tattoo for me that I'll be honored to wear for the rest of my life. Um, I'm thinking left butt cheek. No, I'm just kidding. Um, somewhere a lot more dignified. I'm thinking um, maybe either on my massive left bicep or on my rippling pectoral. I haven't, I haven't decided yet. Um, but, and uh, also, Big shout out to our guest from this week. It's so I've, I see. It seems like I've missed her like the last two times. Holy crap. big deal of a big deal of a lore master with us tonight. Mm-hmm. Purple potato. <laughs> um, purple chimera. Yeah. Also purple chimera. And um, as <laughs> oh yeah, that one too. As also <laughs> as we know her from the early days of Focus Chat, she was one of our our very first. I think she was within our. I've guessed maybe. Um, um, yeah. 
And I was just wanting to ask her as a personal favor um, if she could put in a good word with me with Mylan number one lore stream. Um, <laughs> we're besties now. So what's up? Oh, cool. Cool. Just the wheezing that came out of blue. <laughs> That's one of my that's one of my prized items from Guardian Con is is the the signed water bottle from Mylan with that. Uh-huh. On it. Oh, it's uh-huh. so good. It's so good. Anyways, anyways, yeah. I'm really really honored you purple and anytime you want to come back, you are your family so you don't even have to give us notice. You can literally just you know where this voice channel is to show up. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blue loves it when I make promises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> I just, I've just gotten used to it. Um, real quick. Real quick. Uh, you know, like I had mentioned with the dispatches, the dispatches, we are going to what, what that means is if you want to email us comments or questions, um, we also have it going over on Twitter at hashtag ask FFC. So it's ASK FFC. Um, or you can just, uh, DM me on Discord and just say, hey, this is a Discord or this is a dispatch for next episode. The next week's topic is going to be a lore dive into the Defender Titan. Um, and so we're looking forward to that one. I know you guys have a lot of thoughts on that as well as this week. So we really appreciate getting those that we got this week. And then, um, as always, our, our big shout out to additional patrons on our crowdfunding over on Podbean. I want to say a big thank you to Greenboy698 and JT Whitehouse. I both, we, we all appreciate your support on that aspect of us and yeah, you guys will we'll stick around for after the outro and maybe maybe show people what Justin's mic is actually capable of. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes each week, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new and improved www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Purple, for joining in on the conversation. I'll be sure to get your contact information up in our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes as well. Also, make sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>